Welcome to episode five of the Big Sky Boneheads podcast. My name is Michael Gray. His name is Scott Hershey. Thank you for checking us out. Do the rate, review, subscribe, rate, review. That was easy for me to say. Rate, review, subscribe, dance, wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, coming up in just a few minutes, we'll have Jeff Brewer of uh, The Man Store in Helena, Montana, and Mike Moore from Headwaters Craft House, because we're going to talk about beer. I'm surprised we're not drinking a beer right now. We absolutely failed in that regard. We should be. Um, related to beer, before we get there, though, stress. Uh, that's one of the excuses I used to drink the beer. Uh, most recent Wallet Hub survey popped this week, and Montana, as you might uh, guess, not terribly high in the stress department. 39th. 39th overall. 39th, and then, uh, you know, what what does stress us out? Probably things that don't stress other states out. <laughs> you know, if you're in New York, your stresses are different than those in Montana. Traffic, congestion, the elevator going out on your 59th floor apartment. Yeah, and our our stress is all about um, New Yorkers. So, uh, <laughs> or Californians, yeah. or, or the cows from California, Oregon, Washington. That's that's the what we're stressed about. Yeah, in the informal survey in our day job uh, with the radio show for the Montana Radio Company, the out-of-staters won. In a landslide. It might be the one thing we could get bipartisan support for here in Montana. And like, you might be one listening to this podcast, and in that case, uh, well, be ready for that. That's going to be a thing. <laughs> Chances are, if you're out of state and you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> I assume you've seen the show Yellowstone, and you already know on that show, they just shoot you and throw you <laughs> off a cliff. That's what I've heard. <laughs> I haven't watched Yellowstone. I caught a couple of episodes once at a friend's house. I'm like, there's a lot more murder going on. Just everybody's getting shot everywhere you look. And that seems kind of unusual. I haven't seen a lot of murder. Uh, <laughs> no, not personally. day to day life. Not a lot of ranchers out there killing people. No, I don't see a lot of guys pulling in and Ford Dooley's crashing through storefronts in Bozeman and beating people with tire irons, but... I don't know. It makes good TV entertainment. The only thing I know about Yellowstone is that they shot part of it in Ruby's Cafe in Missoula. I love Ruby's Cafe. It's an awesome place. So. And again, not a place where you're going to find a lot of murder. No, definitely not. <laughs> not I've murdered a few omelets there, so it's only the murder that I know at Ruby's Cafe in Missoula. So, yeah, we, uh, we discovered that uh, Montana's not terribly stressed, but the thing that is stressing everybody out is people that aren't from Montana. Well, people um, in general. We don't like people. Right. We like less people. And if you're a people, we want to be the only ones here and not have you around. That's, that's not and that not for nothing. But if you come to Montana, chances are a little elbow room is on the menu. Like that's what you're looking for. <laughs> no matter when you came here, whether it was the eighteen hundreds or last March, uh, chances are you came here thinking, I'm gonna get a little more space than yeah. where I'm from, wherever wherever that is. It used to be the Montana was friendly and now uh, we don't like anybody from out of state. And if you're from in state we're not real fond of you either. <laughs> right. That's true. I wonder if the Californians have just provided us with um, a mutual enemy. Like, we can start, <laughs> we can stop arguing uh, with Bozeman in Missoula or Great Falls in Helena or Kalispell and whoever the hell Kalispell argues with and just focus on people from L.A. <laughs> Because <laughs> everybody hates those guys. I'm all for it. That sounds good. <laughs> all right. That said, happy to welcome in a couple of guests I've been looking forward to for some time here on the Big Sky Boneheads podcast. We've got Mike, or is it Michael, or do you go by? What do you I do? mean, Mike, but hey, you with the face works. More. So. Mike, more. There you go. See, this is going to be confusing the whole time we're doing this. Jeff Brewer, uh, here to talk Montana beer. Mike from uh, Headwaters Craft House, which is the beer that goes in the glass. Jeff Brewer from the Man Store with the beer that goes in the bottle. And, Put it um, in a glass. We're t- <laughs> Eventually. And I'm Scott with the beer that and goes in the mouth. <laughs> so 
We've got everything all covered here. One of the things that you may not know if you're not from Montana is how the beer scene has established itself here and proliferated, uh, especially in the last five to ten years. It's really kind of blown up, and we wanted to have you guys in to talk about it because it's something that um, both Scott and I do entirely too much of, uh, the beer. I mean, the, the drinking <laughs> of the beer. You guys talk is, way too much, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Look, my wife's not on the podcast. You can take that kind of energy out in the hall, <laughs> sir. That's right. We like beer. We like to talk about beer. That's what we do. All right. Let, I mean, start in any order you want. What got you started? Tell us your origin story. I Go think- for it, Mike. You started off. My wife uh, owned a cafe for 13 years, grinded every day, and I saw her working her butt off, and I'm like, oh, man, small business owners look like it sucks because you're just nonstop work. And then in 2019, in, in that early fall, I ruptured my Achilles tendon. And that wasn't bad enough? You thought, how can I make this worse? Right. Let's no, open no. a business. I mean, really, I, I think my wife's like, oh, you're not just going to sit there. You should call these people. And what it was is um, Farmer State Bank is a bank that started in Victor, Montana in like 2000, no, 1901 or something ridiculous like that. But they were only on the west side of the um, divide. And, you know, back right before pandemic they were like we're gonna we're gonna open a branch in helena we want to expand but the building we're building we're not we're not just gonna screw around they put something like 11 million dollars they built out this gorgeous building and they knew they were putting two retail bases in the building so they put a coffee shop in there and they at the time they were calling it a dram shop you know basically a tap house my wife heard about it she's like you should call these people you'd be great at this and i'm like well, okay, but that's a small business, and I want nothing to do with it. She's like, you're being you're being lazy. Just do it. So I call them. By early winter, right before the pandemic, we were in the hunt for a beverage license because Montana's beverage laws are a little wonky, and there's a quota system and all this stuff. We want to get into it. But we found a beverage license, secured that, and then mid-April, we get a call from the bank saying, hey, you guys still interested in doing this thing? We know the pandemic's kind of got everything on edge, but you are the only people we've talked to. And so me and my wife kind of had that look in the face and we're like, yeah, let's just do this. See what happens. If you scripted something to happen, you couldn't do it any better. Like things fell in line. You know, the opening date for the tap room got pushed back to the point where it was coming up on a year now, like April 7th is when we opened our doors. But everything it was so serendipitous. It's not even funny. I always, I always joke with people that, you know, we call it headwaters, but realistically, we should have just named it Just Ask because that's how it came <laughs> about. Like, I mean, that's, that's the origin story. And then from there, it's just been a complete roller coaster in a good way. Well, and headwaters is the, uh, right now, filled a hole is the premier tap house in town. Now, the Man Store, uh, Jeff Brewer from Man Store, uh, a little different. It's a, it's a retail location. You were there. How did you turn into the beer location? Well, you know, I grew up in small business. My parents, uh, when I was about eight and nine years old that year, uh, we moved back from Hawaii and they purchased a, a cigar store newsstand down on the walking mall called May News. And uh, the walking mall kind of was, everything was moving out. State fund moved out. The federal building moved out. And they kind of saw the writing on the walls and said, well, we got to try a new location and let's let's try and change the image a little bit and do something different. So my bonehead brother, uh, who was in the Marine Corps, came up with, hey, let's let's make a man store. The man show was huge at the time. No copyright infringements. I swear we changed everything enough to be legit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
so we kind of ran with it and uh we you know what what's good what what do we want to do obviously cigars we're already in that business we're already on with everybody uh we want to do funny gifts t-shirts uh that kind of stuff and, and novelties and birthday cards that you can't buy at hallmark and um and then of course the beer of course you want to have beer in a man store so uh we did a beer and wine um i came back from the military in 2005 and we opened the the store out in east helena which became my baby and uh a lot different scene in the East Helena market than it is in the Helena market. Um, there's some similarities, but but we really had to strive, especially being nestled between two town pumps. We had to be different uh, with our beer selection. So of course we have all all the big name guys in store, but then I just started building on it. You know, more micros, more micros, and I cut a pop door out, and then another pop door out, and then I cut down a you know a domestic beer door, and just kept expanding, expanding, expanding. And it's been really fun over the last 10 years, especially how even that, the micro scene has changed inside of that, you know, the different styles of packages. It was predominantly bottles and then it went to cans and now you, and then they, everybody in Montana figured it out. Well, everybody floats rivers in Montana. So we got to get in cans because you can't take bottles on the water. Right. So uh, the evolution of that and, and just my love of it. I, lo- I love drinking beer. I love talking about beer. Uh, we do the radio show with Mike and, and it's a blast. We talk about a different beer every week. And so I just really became, you know, just really involved in it and trying to find the next thing. And, and that's what I try to build my set on now. I've got my mainstays that are always in there, but I want to be cycling stuff through because it changes so fast. Uh, the flavors and what people are wanting are changing fast. And Montana in itself has done a really good job of following the national market. And bringing this stuff in, I, I mean, we've got some really smart beer mines in the state of Montana. You guys invited us in. I don't know why. But. <laughs> no one else would take the call. Oh, okay. But, uh, <laughs> but, I mean, Montana has seriously taken it to the next level. And I just, I read an article this morning. Uh, I was reading on some stuff. And this was that as, as of 2020 in Montana is number two in the nation for uh, breweries per capita. So, obviously, Montana's got a craving for this stuff because they just keep happening. And every one of them successful um and and the brewers what they're doing here is amazing to me how smart they are and and the science they put into this stuff so it just furthers my appetite for it to keep growing and keep changing and and i love that i get to serve the helena and east helena area to bring them what they want well and that is one of the things you, there's any anytime we talk montana math when you throw in the per capita thing you skew it <laughs> because at least for now <laughs> <laughs> Until the next census, uh, we've only got a handful of people here. But beer is one of those things, and no matter where 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 you are in the country, um, everybody's taste is being educated. How do you guys keep up with that? Because I got to believe that you've got customers coming through the doors, especially here, that know as much or more about beer as you guys do, and they're constantly going to be coming in with their wish list. They're constantly going to be coming in. Hey, have you tried this? Do you know about these guys? Did you have? I mean, Lord yeah. knows you and I have, uh, you guys and I have had that conversation at least a dozen times over. If I'm traveling, I find something and come back and go, go get that. Go get, yeah. you need that because oh, that's yeah. new. You um, know, I, I will, I will, uh, I will inject my, uh, my experience this past year. I'd say the, the, the most common statement is have you or can you get this? And, right. and, and you always have to respond with that, you know, especially being in the state we are. It's like, well, have you ever bought it in this state? Because <laughs> if you've bought it in this state, I will do my darnest to track it down and bring it here. Um, but if you haven't, like, you have to understand, then we're held to the restrictions that state law prohibits us to. Sure. Which is, you know, they have to register with the state. And it's, uh, ironically, when we were first opening, I have a, a really good friend 
Um, and she opened a winery in Washington, and she's just a small thing, little town, Quincy, Washington. She has a winery. She does amazing wines, and I'm like, we want to bring your wines in if possible. Can you, you know, you're not in the state. Can you register with the state? And she's like, well, maybe. And then she, like, literally responded with a text, like, 20 minutes later, I'm registered. Come pick it up. And we're like, well, that that wasn't too hard. So right. You know it's possible. It's just a matter of doing the, the things. Um, so, so, again, it's always that thing. If you can get it to the state, we're going to bring it in. Um, if it's like something that they'll register but aren't going to be distributing, then, you know, I'm not making a drive to Delaware. I'm sorry. Just I like beer, but not that much. And that's kind of the thing is if it's not being distributed by a distributor sometimes, and then Jeff and I have actually done this, I'll, I'll make him aware of something, and he communicates with those people. And sometimes it is somebody literally – Putting it in their truck and delivering it to your store. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Scott got hip to the mountains walking stuff, which good on you because they're great. Uh, and he messaged them, and I had messaged them in the past, and they hemmed and hawed, and well, we really can't do it, and we're taking stuff to Missoula. But and then he kept messaging them, I kept messaging them, and one day out of the blue, I got an Instagram message of all things, and it said, "All right." We're going to start stopping at your store. And uh, what do you want? Here's what we have. And so it was cool because I was the only place in town that had it. You know, they made a stop when they were going through to Missoula. Um, and that that's kind of the cool thing about the Montana microbreweries. Uh, they're very personable. Uh, all the breweries, the brewers themselves, I mean, that was who dropped my stuff off was the head brewer from Mountains Walking. I mean, these guys are, like Mike said, you're married to your small business and these guys are no different. Um, and they're dedicated to the craft and, and it was really cool to get them in. And it was something so different as far as the, you know, keeping up with the, with the customer demands, you know, I see it as you just got to pay attention to what the trends are doing. And, you know, right now it's, it's been for the last year, it's the hazy kick. Now we're starting to change hazies on the IPAs. I mean, IPAs are monsters in this state and, uh, it, you just have to pay attention if you put it in and it's a dog, well, then, you know, you know, you got to move on to something else. But it brings me back to me. And Mike does a fantastic job at Headwaters. His list is constantly changing. And so sometimes I, too fast. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah. get some of those good ones. And, and, and that's a that's a really hard aspect to, to get because I want to be changing stuff and I want to bring in new stuff. But I get a beer in and it's just it's rocking and rolling all the time. It's constant. And. It's like, okay, what do I do? And and then you get enough of those, and you're like, okay, now what am I going to rotate out? Because all of these are great. And so there's a real fine line in there. Uh, I would say it's just mostly paying attention to your customer base. And you have to do that in any small business. So, you know, if something's – it's it's just back to the basics of business 101. You know, you've got your – you keep your stats on what sells and what doesn't. And you move out what doesn't and bring back in what does. So – that's kind of where I'm at on it. Yeah, and to build, I mean, to build on that, I mean, the analytics is so crazy. And you know, we've had we've had different people come in and offer to crunch numbers, and you know, our our POS system is really good about giving us all the reports. And you start breaking down those numbers, and you're like, oh man, that beer that killed it. You need to bring it back. And then you're like, well, all right, but why did it kill? You're like, was it a small keg? Did it? Was it very special release? Is it a seasonal thing? And and the thing that um, I knew coming in, but didn't like fully. In, well, I don't want to say didn't embrace, but didn't anticipate is just the seasonality. Like, yeah, you want to have the lighter beers going into the spring and summer, and you want to have those dark, heavy beers. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, there is there is going to be a chunk that you just have to have a common core, not even like a common core beer, but a common core style. Style. Like people can always go on and say, I, I want your light pilsner. I want your half. I want your 
you know. And as much as it breaks my heart to say, you know, the stouts and the porters, the ones that are so good, and sometimes the bigger ABV, they don't move as quick because they're just a big beer and they are an acquired taste. Um, I think it's a, a taste that people acquire the more that they try and especially like get out that mindset that a dark beer is going to be heavy and going to weigh you down and make you feel miserable kind of thing. Unless you're Michael Gray. And, yeah, no, I'm, yeah, 95 I'll, degrees I'll, yeah. on a July afternoon. Straight and, 40 weight, bro. I'll do it too. I'll do it too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah you're talking to a bunch of dark beer guys here, oh, so yeah, it'll, oh, no, no, it'll no, go no, down I'm, at any time. I was a, I was a dark beer guy when I first started, and I was that way for so long. And I, I mean, now I'm an all beer mm-hmm. connoisseur. Like you just you don't get to pick a favorite as much as you want to. You just have to recognize good beer for good beer. Um, but yeah, no, I was a dark beer guy for ever and so like having that statistic like stouts don't move like you can have them on but you got to limit it to one or two and then you're like people are just like oh but i love that one i'm like hey that was a great beer but it took a month and a half to move that's too long on the keg lines i like to switch my stuff up both of you guys travel a a fair bit both you guys i know anytime you're you're out of town you're out of state you're trying stuff just like scott and i do uh what's in in terms of brewing with the proliferation across the state What's Montana doing right? When you, as compared to other other regions, other states, when you look around, you're like, you know what? We've really kind of got fill in the blank dialed in. What do you What do you think that this state's doing correctly? Montana's doing a lot right, to be honest. Uh, the the brewers, like I mentioned earlier, they're paying attention to the national stage and and what's going on. So I think they've done a really good job of formulating to that and you know what's hot and they're changing it up. They're changing their beers. But they're bringing with or bringing what is going to sell, and so I think the Montana Brewing Society has done a really, really good job of that. Um, you know, on the the caveat to that is some of them do like to stick with their core beers, and they're not changing it up as much. Um, and so I think the breweries that are becoming more successful are definitely the ones that are rotating through. Sure, it's the same base body, but it's a different flavor. And so the brewers in Montana have really come around to that, and uh, and changing stuff up is not always a bad thing. And so that, I think, is a great idea, and it goes right along with the national. You know, we've talked about a few, you know, from out of state that do the same exact thing where each release is different. Um, and, and it's really, it builds some excitement around the beer. So I think Montana's doing a great job in the last couple of years of getting on board with that. Yeah. I mean, and not to contradict that completely, cause there is, I mean, that you definitely have to be innovative. You have to stay with that. Um, but I mean, like prime example, we had Byron on as a tap takeover, uh, and they're celebrating their 35th anniversary this year, but they have always been, you know, when I first started enjoying craft beer, like. Byron was the boring brewery. Yeah, the beer was good, but it was boring. They just did their German-style beers, and it was what it was. Coming back to them now, after so many years, and tasting their beers, you recognize, like, good and their mainstay and have been around so long because they know what they're doing, and they are true to their form. Um, and then they're not afraid to change their recipes. So they just changed their half recipe last year. They're doing their 35th anniversary pills this year, which is a phenomenal pilsner. And when you talk to the rep or talk to the brewer, like they're like, you know, we're using we're this beer is brewed with all the best. Like we got the best malts, we got all the best hops. We are not screwing around with this beer. It has to be a true representation of a perfect pilsner in our mind. So they're just staying true to their form and they're doing it in the German style because that's where the brewer was trained, that's where the brewer lived, so that's what he knows. So to the degree that they have to stay on top or stay on top of the trends. They're definitely doing that. But 
Bayern's never done an IPA, and they've never done a hazy, and they will never do that. Right. So a brewery that stays true to their form and a brewer that brews what they want to brew, you're going to get a better product. I mean, uh, Imagination out of Missoula does – they were the brewery that brought the New England-style hazy to Montana. Like, that is their claim to fame. They brewed it first. They've been doing it the longest. But it's, it's funny because they're – their beers that are not in that style are some of their best beers. And they're like, man, do do that one again. They're like, oh, no, no, we got to do another double dry hop New England monster for you. And I'm like, ah, okay, well, well, it's delicious. As a consumer, what I see a lot, and here's something that I think that that is being well done in Montana, is sometimes you hear about a new brewery, especially going into places like Missoula and Bozeman, and you're thinking, how many is that now? Used to be able to you count them. There were four here. There were five here. Now there's there's more going in. But every time they do, I would I would call it. Uh, you might call it a different business model. You might call it a different image. I call them different personalities. These breweries are finding ways in each market to have a different personality of every other brewery in town. If you go to Billings and you go to Uber Brew and you go to Carter's and you go to Thirsty Street, there's three different complete places. Uh, as far as atmosphere, as far as beers, as far as packaging, everything they're doing is different. And and you can be within a few blocks of each other. Same thing in Missoula, uh, Byron that you talked about, and, and uh, Imagination could not be more different. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and they're still finding ways to do that and fill in slots to make them interesting to the consumer and to find them interesting to the guy who really is into the craft beer. You're going to find something different in these places. We're still in that process, and it seems like just when you think you're saturated, you're not saturated. Oh, absolutely. Breweries back in the day before Prohibition, they were in every town. They were in every city. You all had your own flavor. They were all influenced from whatever immigrants came from that area. And that's what they were about. And I feel like um, I I tell people we're in a beer renaissance right now. And I think people don't recognize it because old styles are coming back. New innovations coming forward. Beer is constantly changing and innovating. And the technology is now to the point where that beer that was brewed 100 years ago is not only better than it was 100 years ago, but brings that same character to the table. The fact that me and my wife were able to get into this uh, industry and jump in on this when we did, I mean, we're we're just thankful as all get out because we get to be the first in town and more of them are to come. I always tell people like when they come in and said, oh, I had this idea, I had this idea, you know, I'm like, this town will support more than one of these, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. This is well, a every town, town. Absolutely. And when you go to when you when you go to Fort Benton and they have a brewery. A brewery. And when you go to Sydney and they have a brewery and these every small town in Montana has one. That's kind of where I, I wanted to take this next question for both of you. Beer works its way into everything in Montana. It's not and you guys are coming at it as business owners where that's you know, it's the lifeblood of what you do, but what you do ties into camping, fishing, hiking. Uh hunting camp before anybody sends me any emails um no uh but as you as you work your way into that and again the the education piece goes along as the the brewing scene grows it's become a it's a it's a it's social lubricant and you know how much pressure is created by the fact that you guys are you're an entertainment corridor because if somebody comes to see you they're getting something to accessorize the rest of the life that we live here um, how important is keeping that focus and understanding that aspect of not just what the beer is, but also how it's being launched into the world? 
Well, if you think the man store is not an entertainment business, you haven't been down to the downtown store. <laughs> I didn't even know brother. it had. I did not know it had a back room. Oh, it's got a back room for two years. <laughs> oh man! Until someone pointed that out, like, well, what, were you in the back room? I'm like, what back room? What are you talking about? And Jeff shows me where the beer is. I've been inside the cooler. He's like, no, 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 no. The back room. I didn't even know it was there. <laughs> sure you did. That, that was sure not the entertainment didn't. I was talking that about. That shows how old I am. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, we get a lot of, uh, in the summer, we do the kegs out of the East Helena store. And so we do a ton of events. Um, and so that definitely, like, I've gotten to know what you should and what you should not bring in for a wedding. Um, I get calls all the time. Oh, it's and it's this, we're talking July weddings, you know, June, July weddings. And... My husband loves cold smoke, and he loves, and it's just all these dark beers. And I'm going, okay, well, your husband's getting married, and I get that, and you should enjoy the beer. So I would recommend getting a cold smoke keg, but you also need to have something that the rest of your guests are going to want to drink. <laughs> and so uh, July, three dark, dark syrup beers are not probably going to be fitting everybody's palates. So, you know, we've I've kind of got it dialed into a science of, you know, if you're an IPA person, okay, get an IPA, but also get a Hef. You know, so that you've got something light because not everybody is a craft beer drinker, unbeknownst to me. I'm not sure why. But, you know. Is that changing? It's starting uh, to change it, drastically. A lot. Is yeah. that changing to where, because I know I, I it wasn't that long ago, that many years ago, people were like, yeah, man, I like both kind of beers, Miller Lite, Bud Lite. And that and that was it. And you get the oh, you're the snobby guy. I don't see that anymore, man. No, no. not at no. all. The and and the brewers around here have gotten really good. And a lot of people don't know this unless you've brewed beer or have gotten into it. Beers like Pilsners are the hardest to brew because yeah. yeah. it has to be perfect. And so that's they've done a good job of coming along on these. And and even you know it's it's the gateway drug to get you into the crafts. You know you've got your miner's wheat gold, beer. the wheat beers oh, exactly. That Mexican lager is the, is a big one. That yeah, and the Mexican oh. lager, of Surfaces course, for sure. And then it does. It just changes their their whole idea. And then they start diving deeper and, and going, oh man, what what was I doing drinking this stuff my right. whole life? Why am I not drinking this? This is awesome. It's it's funny because uh you know I have an uncle who's getting close to that seventy age. And so when we were opening the place, he he comes in and he's like, "Well, I'm I'm a Michelob Ultra guy. I, I'm watching my figure." And I'm like, "Oh, buddy, you should have been watching it years ago." But but then you watching know, it expand, you know, you know, you give him a beer like Killarney, and and he takes a sip of it and he's like, "This is like drinking candy." I'm like, "Yeah, it's a malt forward beer. That's it's an Irish red. It's everything that a." beginner beer drinkers should be drinking because they're going to discover that there's flavor and there's not that the pilsner you know that after bitter note that you find you know the bitter beer face we all remember that those commercials oh, yeah. and it's just like you know these are the beer this is what beer was envisioned to be um and again you have to give props to the guys who do it because a pilsner is beer you can't not screw up you can't fake it if you if you do something wrong you're going to taste it in the beer and the people who do it well and even the big boys, like, you know, you hear the story, like, to make as much as they make and to go into any store, crack a can and taste it, and it always tastes the same, that is a skill. And that is a true craft. And whether you appreciate the beer or not, like, that's the one thing that I used to be, that beer snob, like, oh, you're drinking a Bud Light. But, you know, I can recognize it for what it is. It is a product that people consume that tastes the same, and it is a representation of that beer. It's not my beer, right. but it's somebody's beer. And and with those beers and all the styles we're talking about now and the different customers, uh, 
when you're looking, both of you guys do this really well, so I'm just wondering what your philosophy is. When you're looking at beers, obviously you mentioned earlier the, you know, how it's going to sell, the analytics, what's, what, this, uh, what this is going to do as, as far as for a business. But how much of it is, is, is a little bit of image, a little bit of if this is different and unusual and you can't find it anywhere else, we got to have it for a while or we've got to keep that variety going. How much of that goes into your thinking? You know, there's a, for me personally, like for, for on this side of the table, it's, it's, it's a lot. Um, you know, we came into this business model with the, the, the local beers that everyone loves. These are amazing beers, but you will probably never see them on tap in our place because you can go right across the street and get it there. You can go down the road and get it there. Like our whole model is based on the fact that you should be able to drink something here that you can't readily find. And if you can, you know, then you should try it on tap because there's a good chance it's in a bottle or a can. And as far as the, the retail side, uh, so of course they bring me samples. That's the best part of my job. I get a lot of samples, uh, <laughs> and, and I take advantage of it. Um, but as crazy as it sounds, the package that they put the beer into matters almost as much as anything in the beer business. Yeah. So I get you know I've just noticed that I just brought in uh, not a Montana beer, but Georgetown Brewing is new to new to Montana market, and. They bring me this Bodhi Zaffa, which they name their beers off. Of, they name it a lot, but they've got some point break names, which is awesome. And this <laughs> this package is bright orange. So, I mean, you look at the beer door and your eye goes directly to it. And it says, best damn IPA or something on the package. Well, it says it on the box and it's bright orange, so I got to try it. So, uh, the and it's really cool, the artwork that these, the Montana breweries have done much of the same. Uh, Mountains Walking is one of them. It's just, what in the world are you putting on your cans? But it stands out along every side of everything else, and that helps just as much as the flavor of the beer. I mean, you know, from the package side, they go to Mike, and they're going to try a beer, and it's all about taste there because you know you're not looking at the package i mean you might have logos and such up yeah but... don't look at mike's package keep it keep it clean uh, here we are again eyes up eyes up not just meat candy oh yeah <laughs> no but i mean i i would say to the to counter his <clears throat> point like we don't have the ability of displaying that packaging sure so it's names like beer names kill it we we put on Robot Panda from Hub Brewing again, not a Montana beer, but the fact that you have this name that in strikes strikes in this image, like oh my god, I got to try that. Or if the funkier its name, the more likely it is gonna move. Like plain and simple. So if someone's planning a beer tour around Montana and you've got to tell them three breweries they have to stop at, and you got to limit it to three. Don't don't go twenty. First off, that's rude. <laughs> uh, that is tough. So a really fun one. I travel a lot of the state to really remote places for hockey of all things, chasing my son around. And uh, and one of the fun ones that I've been to was in Haver, Montana, which has three breweries in Haver, Montana, believe it or not. And uh, they've got one up there called Triple Dog. Uh, really fun little spot. They brew some awesome beer, and it's it's really a cool atmosphere. Small, intimate brewery. Um, another great one is, uh, up in Whitefish, there's one called Bonsai Brewing, uh, little tiny spot right off coming down from the ski hill, very closely adjacent to the hockey rink. Uh, so <laughs> may or be, may I'm be catching right. a theme, <laughs> perhaps um, within walking distance. Right. And, and, uh, 
and so I had a lot of fun there, and it's very, I mean, they had a guy in there just beating on drums the entire time I was there. That dude never stopped beating on drums. I mean, it's a little, almost like a little hippie shack. Right. Fun, fun atmosphere and really, really good beer, and they don't package. Uh, neither does Triple Dog. And uh, and then another one that I went to, it was in Glasgow, Montana. Uh, it's called Busted Knuckle. And uh, we can get their beer here. They're actually distributed by Eagle Bev. Um, we can get their, their kegs and stuff here. But same thing, it was a guy that owned a service station up there, and it still looks like the old Sinclair station. And he was done turning wrenches. He was, I'm done, so I'm going to do what I want to do. Uh, and so he opened this brewery, Busted Knuckle. And it's cool. You got snap-on chairs you're sitting in. So those are just kind of some fun. You know, they're not the everyday that you see, uh, you know, but they're and they're way out there, away from everything else. But cool atmospheres to go check out, and, and every one of them, the beer is really good. Uh, so I'm gonna say, again, rude, <laughs> but uh, like, believe it or not, it's a, it's just they don't do much distributing. Uh, but in Missoula, if you're going to a brewery itself to check out, I would say Guild Brewing. It's right off of Orange Street. They have it's a three story building and. It, the basement is an arcade. It's got all the great ones from I'm the nineties. There you so, go. It's like on the Mortal strip, Kombat. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, the upstairs, super cool vibe. Just great view of all of the river in downtown Missoula, and just uh, it's a great place. So I would say, Guild was great. Beer was really good. Uh, for the beer purposes, Map Brewing in Bozeman, or right outside of Bozeman, really good beer, really fun environment. And really good food too. Their, really their food. restaurant is awesome in there. And if you're gonna go for the sake of going and tasting good beer, and this is probably for a brief time, I'd say uh, Golden Triangle in Fort Bend. Mm-hmm. Like their beer is phenomenal. He might be one of two people in the state who actually has a fooder that he ages his beer in. So for those who don't know, again, this is a nerd thing. It's a barrel, like a huge barrel that you can age roughly five well it might be more than i think you can he said he can do like five barrels of beer in it and he has it lightly charred and not like a barrel aged with rye whiskey or anything like that it's just you get the oak flavors added to it you get a lot and smooths out your beer it's really old world style of brewing um and what usually happens with these things is at some point it be, it gets infected with yeast or they intentionally infect it, and then you have a sour fooder, which is kind of that, you know, the, all the big breweries do that. So I, th- I think if I, if I was going to do three, it'd be three with entirely different reasons, all of them. I would I would say, and it's like another Missoula one that doesn't do a lot of distributing, but Tamarack uh, with an incredible restaurant, really cool atmosphere, good place to go watch a game. They've got the, uh, the I mean, it, it's a it's a really cool place with with good beers and then i would also say um on the opposite end of the spectrum almost is carter's in billings which is you walk in and there's there's sawdust on the floor and you're 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 got barrels it's very unorganized it looks like if i ran a brewery like uh, it's just there for the beer you're there for the beer and nothing else and the beer's really good and they've always got a lot of different styles there and then the third one is what that i would put out there would be phillipsburg because phillipsburg is such a cool little town oh yeah and it's a good brewery it's a good little atmosphere they got a cool room and you're right on the corner of phillipsburg where it's just it's a signature montana place and and i think that that uh, that adds a whole bunch to what they're doing there. And the fun thing in listening to those lists is you get an idea of the fact that you can't have too many. 
Oh, absolutely. You know, because there's that there's that notion out there, and and I've lived a couple of places around the country where, I mean, Grand Rapids, Michigan has got a hundred and fourteen or some ridiculous number of breweries, and they're everything from the mega outfits that are internationally distributed to places the size of uh, your kitchen, where right. you can get three or four beers, and there's always new ones because no matter what, I mean, there's another there's a there's always another small town in Montana. There's always somebody out there with a different idea and, and somebody that's going to do something and tweak it just a little bit. And that is one of the things like if you're if you're listening to this and you're not from Montana, you're going to get here anytime soon. Bring an empty mug. Yeah. <laughs> because there's no shortage yeah. of them. If you're coming on a brewery tour, you better plan a month. Right. I also think we mentioned about 10 different reasons why beer and breweries are cool, you know, for one of the all the different reasons why we enjoy this stuff. Because we mentioned things like the food, the atmosphere, the places they're in, kind of the uh, the beer, of course, and uh, there's just all these different things that come together. And this is why these breweries all have different models and can still be successful. Well, I mean, it, it kind of adventures back to why we opened what we opened. Like when craft beer scene was coming along early 2000s, you know, their ability to opening a tasting room basically created the old public houses from pre-prohibition so you know you can go in there and it, believe it or not i'm gonna shock some people you can bring your kids in and they can eat popcorn and you can enjoy a beer and a conversation with some complete stranger have your two beers go home know that you're being safe being responsible and you're not displaying the binge drinking mentality that you often see in the bar scene and i felt judgy that was not judgy. Why you gotta that, be that, that guy? That, 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 that was kind of judgy. judgy. <laughs> or you can. I said bring no, your kid you in. No, you can't. Weird, weird thing. Again, if you're from Montana, this is old hat. But the first time I walked into a brewery in this state, and they gave me my little ticket, I'm like, look, man, I'm sober. I remember what I ordered. You don't have to write it down for me. And I'm like, no, you can only have this many. And the then, 48 ounce and then limit. a woman walked up next to me who's 105 pounds. I'm like, even by BMI, this isn't fair. <laughs> like, this is, I feel this is prejudicial. This is, yeah, there's some sort of profiling going on. It's it's all a scheme to get you, Mike. I want it's you to, to get you that. out of the. It's to get you out of the place, which I guess I get. But yeah, that. The great thing is, is down the street there's another one that you can have three <laughs> yeah, beers in, yeah. and then on to the next. You just yeah. get you an Uber or a DD, <laughs> yeah. and you roll around to all of them. Or you go see Mike at Headwaters, yeah. and I'm not saying you're going to get trashed there, but you can have more than three beers, yeah. which I, is a great thing. I started on the walking tour of the breweries in Billings, and uh, then I, I ended on the stumbling tour that's of all the breweries in Billings, because they have that. That's, uh, well, and again, I mean, the, uh, the public house model is you go to have a social environment, and again, that's what we wanted to create. And so we are able, you know, inadvertently... Uh, we're able to open our business. We don't have a 48-ounce limit like the tap rooms do, but we have people who come in and treat it like a tap room because they are drinking craft beer. They're drinking a bigger ABV beer. They know that after three or four, you're probably in a really good place, and you should be Ubering home or you should have that ride set up. Um, and that's what the nice part is. We always tell people, you know, we're not a tasting room. We're not a tap room. But the great part is, you come and you start your party here, and if you want to keep that party going, you should go somewhere else. Because, mm -hmm. frankly, we're we're happy just to give you get you started and let you enjoy the beer for what it is. Because again, these beers are meant to be sipped and enjoyed and not pounded. So, what's Montana need? What do we need to do next? Because there's always I know you guys you're operating in this world, and it is a a social lubricant which leads its you know lends itself to every part of life here in Montana. So there's always going to be something developing. Uh, that leaves a void and leaves a need. What do we need next? You know, I, I would say 
uh, from my perspective personally, the you know, the one thing that we could always use is better public transportation. And that's really doesn't coincide, you'd think, with brewery or drinking. But, you know, responsibility is something that we all have to be aware of. And as a server, like, I would rather know that you're not getting behind the wheel of your car. I want you to be as safe coming in and leaving. And it, so, like, more access to transportation is a big thing. On the beverage side of things, there's always laws you can tweak. There's always things you want to do. You know, if I want a beer and my distributor, local distributor isn't carrying it, I want to be able to get in my truck, drive 90 miles, pick up what I need to go, and then come back. So those are the things that from our business model we would like to see changed. And so those are the things we'll address. Um, but but as far as, like, the consumer side of things and the business side of things, you know, we have the tools we need right now. It's just making sure we have access to them. That, if you're listening to me, brewers, Montana does not need more seltzers. Please, <laughs> please brew more beer and less seltzers. But what we do need... Didn't, has that ship not sailed? No. Have, no, we, not, no. have we not hit peak seltzer? No. No, and weren't we doing like grapefruit, lemongrass? Yes, like yes, like it's okay. Awful. It's okay. They're revisiting teas. That's yes. going to be the next. Uh, thing. Oh, is that what we're doing again? Yeah. That's going to come back. It's going to come back good. And I will, I will take a hard tea over a seltzer any day of the week. <laughs> that, that was just a little joke I threw out there. But I want to piggyback on on Mike. Um, the biggest problem we have on the package side of it, and I, I would assume on the keg side of it too, uh, is getting product to Montana. So coming from out of state, these crap breweries, you know, a lot of these these hubs are based in Seattle or they're based in Portland or they're based in uh, Golden, Colorado. Yeah. And so they can take a semi truck three miles down the road and download all that product or they can bring a semi truck 15 hours away to deliver the same product. So that's four days wrapped up with one driver, the expense um, and and it hamstrings us and and we've seen it with the big package stuff you know your main with covid hitting we've been out of it there's not truck drivers available sure. and and it's trickled into the into the craft and micro scene as well so i i think that's the big the big downfall to only having a million and a half or whatever we're at people give us a couple of minutes well yeah and i don't want that to change that's not the think, part i want to I think change california shipped another hundred thousand people here during this conversation oh no it's going to be texas it's all coming from texas yeah because california is invading texas i wonder if the whole view of this uh, by the state isn't just a little archaic because uh, we're we still have a lot of laws we still have a lot of things that cater to uh your corner bar or your your you know in a small town though uh if you are only allowed to sell 48 ounces per person that's the big rub with consumers here and that's the thing that might coming from out of state so I'm like what is this three three beer thing um but how do these breweries in these small towns who want to expand who want to be successful who want to make more money uh how are they able to do this throughout the state you know the state should be giving them the means to you know if you're in fort benton you have a very limited amount of people you have a limited right. amount of customer base how do you allow a brewery like that because they have a great product to succeed if they want to some well, of these breweries are okay with being small and that's fine but but how do you how does the state enable them to do that the yeah. state has oh, sorry uh, the state has implemented some laws um that you can purchase a different style of license um, 
it, you know, it's a more expensive license and a different process you have to go through. But Lewis and Clark went through it here in town. Um, they're not hamstrung by the 48 ounce law. So they have made some improvements. Legislators do pay attention here and there um, and listen to the people. And uh, so, yeah, they fought for it and, and got it approved so that they could, uh, you know, and I know there's barrel creation, like how much you produce that limits you. Um, and, and so there's different, the state has listened and there's different licenses you can buy now and different ways you can go about it so that you can do that if, if that's what you'd like to do. Those smaller communities have the advantages that the larger communities don't. So the quota system set up in such a way that it's based on population of your county, your city. And so there's, there's towns out there that at one time had three or four, you know, beer and wine licenses and five all beverage licenses. And those licenses right now are sitting like vacant. So those licenses are readily available, and since it's a supply and demand system, you know, like you just go out and buy a license for whatever asking rate is, and you'll be fine. And but what we found out recently with somebody we know is that if the license doesn't have more than one party interested, they won't give it out. Right. And so if one business in a small town wants the license that's available and is ready to bid on that license, but there's no other people interested, they don't issue the license, and that's that seems a little weird. Yeah, that's that, mafia. That is that is, yeah, that's mob. That's a problem. That's, that's mob business. That's, that's what a that problem. Is. I'm not going to sell it until somebody pays me too much. <laughs> yeah, and and you know the there's been a big battle, and I've seen this on the, you know I'm not I'm not a bar owner, but I'm in the beer business, so I hear a lot of chatter, and you know the Tavern Association has been in some you know well, not a conflict, but. You know, it's a it's a difference of opinions um, with the <laughs> with the breweries and the tavern associations. Which boy is it? <laughs> which I'm are not your... calling you a bitch. I'm saying you're being a bitch. <laughs> so they they differ in opinions. Um, the you know the breweries kind of came along and it kind of it blew up faster than anybody expected. And so now you've got these tap rooms opening up all over the place and. The Tavern Association is fighting on the side of your local, you know, mom and pa's that own the true full cabaret liquor licenses um, and beer and wine licenses. And they're saying, well, hold on. These guys only have to pay this because they're a brewery. But because they're grandfathered into that, they don't have to pay to serve their beers. Sure. And so there was this big rift and it, it was really contentious about 15 years ago. Um, and, and they were battling from both sides. And like I said, I don't know all the ins and outs because I totally saw this from an outsider's perspective. Um, but it seems like the state has tried to remedy some of those situations to where they've come. They've definitely addressed it, whether it's completely done or not. I don't know. Uh, and like I said, I'm not in that business. But I know that they've come together. They've made some concessions on both sides. And so I think that is helpful because they need to coexist because you also want to sell that brewery's beer in your bar. And so you don't want to hate each other. You want to work together, but there has to be a happy balance. And it it was a real contentious time about 10, 15 years ago between the breweries and the bars. Absolutely. And I I mean, to, to build on that, you can tell it was a, it was a big case of, I got mine and I don't want you to have yours. And I think there is, there's, there's growing pains, and we're still in the middle of those growing pains. I think we're, we're working our way out of them, which is nice. Um, but I think the big realization that a lot of like the all-beverage licenses and even a license that has beer and wine but has the ability to have gaming, what, what these owners are finding is like the alcohol license is super important, but it's not nearly as important as that certificate that allows you to have the, the Kino machines and the poker machines because those are 
true revenue generators. And so I think what you're going to see in the next little bit is this big shift in, in how they're issuing these licenses. And they're probably going to push harder on the gaming side of things than they are on the alcohol. At least, I mean, that's, that's just what I'm, I'm hearing and things are trending towards. Um, like I said, we're definitely in the middle of growing pains and that's where you're, where you get the contentious. That's where you get the people who want to push back and fight hard and dig in their heels. Um, but I think it's, it's like anything, you know, you're going to see more growth because that's what the state is doing and that's what people are going to demand. And that's, that's just how it is. Well, and there's no shortage of thirsty Montanans. Absolutely. Nope. Nope. And going, going back to that whole, like how many breweries is too many breweries. I'll tell you when we know. Yeah. Not enough yet. Because we're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, We've so got true. a long way to go. It's getting to the point where you go to a small town and you're surprised they don't have a brewery. <laughs> even the smallest. Like, it's getting in Montana to where even some of the smallest, like, when's the brewery coming to Roundup? Places like that, well, you know, for a long time I said, why didn't Ennis have a brewery? They've got one now. Yes. Like, that type of town needs a brewery. you got fly fishermen and tourists. Like, <laughs> come on. You oh, need absolutely. to sell a nice cold beer that's brewed right on, on premises. I mean, and you see it even. you got a small fishing town just north of us up in craig and they're going to be opening up a small little satellite brewery just to serve that community six months out of the year so you can't tell me that the writing isn't on the wall that people can see the advantage of it well and that they're that they're partaking of it uh in in that non-snobby way because normally these little farm towns little ranch towns those are the guys you would assume buy their beers 30 at a time in a cardboard box and and no they're they're in there. They're a part of these communities, and they wire themselves in. Going back to your public house uh, metaphor, it, it's it's a it's a spoke in all of these little small town wheels. Whether it's Townsend or Fort Benton or you know any of the any of the tourist areas that obviously have a ton of them, yeah, uh, Anaconda, like all of these towns, you're going to find homemade beer and that's the, unique to that town. There so, are opportunities because if you're going to open a brewery, do you open the 11th one in Bozeman, or do you open the first one in Lincoln? And there's there's positives and negatives to either one of those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you always you you see it, and um, you know, to to circle back to the Golden Triangle Brewery, they're based in Fort Benton. But talking with the brewer, he's got ambitions, and he's like got plans, and he wants to to expand and maybe do something different, and even relocate. And and you know, you recognize that in a small town, if you aren't getting enough, or you're not, or you, I guess in his case, I think he expanded. But he didn't think big enough at the time. So now he's in that really awkward stage where do I expand again or do I relocate and start over, you know, but keep the same brewery? And I I think um, it's always tough when you go into a small community to say, how big do I start or how big do I go? And and you're going to see that it's it's growing pains like anything, but it's exciting. It's always exciting to go to a small town. Well, that's as good a spot as any to wrap this up. I, I thought we were going to open a beer. I was going to say, I'm Mike's staring at a beer, beer that Mike He's been sitting in. there with, for 45 and, uh, minutes. I'm, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm teasing you guys. That is, uh, that is if, there's, if there's one overall overarching lesson to be taken from all of this, it's that you know the, the brewing scene in Montana has exploded in the last 10 to 20 years. It continues to evolve, and it doesn't matter where you go in the state. We've got 144,000 square miles and change. And you're never far from somebody who's making beer in this state. Um, and it's, uh, you know, yeah, keep going. Yeah. I noticed you didn't fill mine up as much. 
Oh, what the hell now that you was got about. the bullets. Yeah, you, you know what? I always worry about the lush not getting what he needs. Exactly. <laughs> what are we drinking here, Mike? Daddy needs his so, medicine. I, ironically, I should have grabbed a Montana beer, so we'll all pretend it's a Montana beer. Okay. It's in Montana. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in, in Montana, Montana now. Yep. Uh, but this is uh, actually from Firestone Walker. We had a tap takeover oh, with them last no. night. <laughs> I was supposed to get... Uh, you hit me in the heart right there. I love yeah. Firestone Walker. Uh, <laughs> I was supposed to get their Freaky Bones, which is one of their fruited salads. Hours. Uh, but apparently it didn't make the truck. So instead they sent uh, their Parabola? excuse me, cherry oh. barrel blossom smoked salt porter. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, no, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Don't spill any on the computer. Um, <laughs> that is like a walk the line, but somewhere between a a, a, a porter, a stout, or and a, and a sour with the fruited beer. That's fantastic. That's very oh, good. I mean, and, and again, the, the advantage of doing what what I'm doing and what my wife and I are doing is um we get to try all these things. You know, like like Jeff mentioned, they come in and they throw samples at you. In the 13 years my wife owned a restaurant, the, I think the only free thing she ever got was a bunch a bag of like um, celery or parsley <laughs> oh. or cilantro. I mean, it was just That's like, not even fun to say. Yeah, no. I mean, it was like you, you got that. Huh? I've seen customers come in and give you beer too. Like you oh. got to try this and and bring it. That's incredible. I've it's, seen customers bring me beer at your place. <laughs> yeah, me too. Exactly. I had whatever that that zombie brain thing is from North yeah, Dakota. North Dakota beer. Yeah. I have customers bring me their home brews all the time, which I think is so oh, cool. Man, they, uh, you know, I've got a, a couple really good customers. Uh, we got one that follows me on Instagram, and anytime I post something special, he's there like in 15 minutes. And uh, he brews some amazing beer, really, really good home brewer. And uh, and he brings me beer all the time. Just hey, I just made this. He just sent me a message this week on Instagram. He said hey, I uh, I just finished one up. I'm gonna bring you in a, a sample of it. So and he brings me in growlers of it every time. So that's that's cool that it's bleeding over into the community and it's inspiring people to do this at home and they're learning the craft so i think that's just another sign of what montana is becoming as a brewery state well yeah. and again going back to that social lubricant and bringing people together and and connecting a lot of the dots between all of the things we do here in montana and the fact that you know historically going back to the origins of the montana territory beer's been a big part of that um it's it's an incredibly rich scene um and and one that's been it's been fun to watch it grow oh absolutely and evolve and um you know if <laughs> if we're any indication we lost scott's voice over here yeah. he's busy. <laughs> good so, stuff so you're sipping that you're yeah. supposed to be yeah. sipping that we i just glanced we have a uh, a staff meeting in five minutes and so i'm not gonna sip it much longer <laughs> uh where can people find you uh dot com. okay uh, is a good place to talk. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on social. My wife is an absolute maniac. She's a monster. And She's great. She she will keep you up to date before you know you need to be up to date. <laughs> Go there often enough, she'll turn you into a meme. Yes. <laughs> what about you? Uh, so we're down on Helena Ave downtown, uh, or Helena location, right off Highway 12 in East Helena. Um, I'm on Instagram. I've got Facebook, but I don't do a whole lot on there because Instagram's so easy to just post it. It's been fun. We've been doing some cross uh, promotions with Mike and Joni, and. Uh, I feel so inferior on my post to what Joni puts out. <laughs> yeah. She's got this beautiful artwork, throws my logo on there. You can buy a package at the man store. I just, you know, get the Instagram. Here's a picture of my and, kid playing hockey. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you can get this at Headwaters. I try to make it look cool, but uh, I am definitely, I'm posting the beers, but I am, uh, I'm not Joni. That is for sure. Oh, man. <laughs> 
like and share. That's all you got to do. <laughs> right. Like and share. <laughs> well, thanks for coming in, guys. And uh, thanks thanks for the beer. Yeah, Whoa. thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for checking out episode five of the podcast. Thanks to our guests, Jeff Brewer and Mike Moore, for coming in and sharing some knowledge. Make sure you rate and review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get the podcast. Tell your friends. Share. If you don't like the podcast, lie and say you like it anyway. Uh, we'll see you again next week.